Hi, and welcome to my podcast, Life and Purpose, with me, Wanjiko Kiari. In this podcast, we shall be having real conversations and stories on the journey to self-discovery, evolution, learning, and personal development. Do you ever question your existence? I do, and I'd like to invite you for us to share, learn, and to live and be the best version of ourselves. So join me. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Life and Purpose podcast. Today, I am truly, truly pleased and honored to host an amazing woman to come on here and share her story. We have Anna Taja in our episode today. Anna is a writer, a published author, currently working on her third book, and as well as being a mom, a wife, and doing other businesses on the side as well. When I first learned of Anna's story, I was really moved and inspired, and I thought, you know, I just needed to invite her here to share her incredible story of how she has overcome major challenges at various stages of her life and is now thriving and living her purpose. So, Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. It's my honor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to have you. Could you please uh, start by introducing yourself to my listeners? Hello, listeners. <laughs> I am, <laughs> I'm Anna Tider. I was born in Croatia, which back then in the 70s was Yugoslavia, a country that fell apart in a very brutal war in the 90s. Um, and because of the war, I moved to Austria, where I spent 20 years of my life. Nine years ago, I moved to the United States. As we heard, I am a published author. I work as a journalist, and I just launched my podcast called Thank You, Mama, in which I interview women from all over the world about the most valuable lessons they learn from their mothers. And currently, that's my huge passion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and your podcast is amazing. I have caught up with all of your episodes so far. Did you really? And Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's so rich hearing the different lessons from all over the world that mamas are teaching their children, you know. Yes, yes, it's beautiful. I Women's lives and the strength you know, and, and all the hard times they go through to give their children a better life is really, really very inspiring. Yeah, true. So, Anna, tell us about your childhood. How was it growing up in Croatia? How was that like for you? Well, back then, Yugoslavia was a uh, kind of a communist country. The interesting mm -hmm. thing about Yugoslavia was two interesting things. One, it was a mixed up country it was created out of six different what later became nations so croatia and serbia and bosnia and montenegro so we had different mentalities and different cultures and different languages different letters because half mm -hmm. the country wrote in latin script and the other half wrote in cyrillic of course different different um, religions mm -hmm. That was very exciting. The other more very exciting thing was that Tito, the president back then who created the country after he freed it from, from German occupation, was that he managed to balance between communism and capitalism, mm -hmm. between East and West. He was uh, a... We were a neutral country. So it was very interesting to grow up in a country that 
gave a lot of good things. It's ideal, an ideal for a communist country in which homes were free, everybody had a safe job, schools were free, universities were free, my ballet lessons were free. You know, there was a lot of security and safety and we got everything we needed. Mm -hmm. But there was no luxury in any shape or form. Nobody was rich. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was out on the street, but nobody was rich. And that was, I think it's, it's a very, very interesting way to grow, grow up. Yeah. Yeah. So another interesting thing was that my mom was a movie actress. She was actually a movie star back then. Mm -hmm. And even with a movie star mama whose face would appear on all magazines and she was really a big star and she was awarded for her work. We, she wouldn't get paid because we were people, you know, it was just salaries were salaries people were got got paid equally mm-hmm. no matter what what they did which was an interesting thing yeah that's very interesting so you didn't have like the big gaps we experience nowadays no. between the rich and those who really do not have no and you know that teaches you in a way as a child to be content with with enough Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned from from growing out there, that enough is enough. <laughs> you know that that, <laughs> that that we don't need too much and we don't need luxury to be happy. That just having a roof over your head and a job and s- certain safety and health insurance mm. can be enough. That's so true. Yeah, that's a very valuable lesson there. So t- take us through your teenagehood. You know, by the time you were relocating to Vienna, how well, how was I, that? I had, when I was nine, my parents did, decided to separate. At that stage, their marriage wasn't working well. They were arguing a lot, and that mm-hmm. was not any more good for anybody. So mm-hmm. my father left, and he moved to Vienna, Austria. He got a job offer. He was he is still an architect. And this is when I got diagnosed with scoliosis, which is a mm-hmm. curvature of the spine. And it was already when it was diagnosed in a very bad stage. So I was they put me in back braces that reached mm-hmm. all the way up to my to my chin. They would keep my you know, they would cover in my whole torso and keep my chin up and were extremely painful. Not only that as a child, age ten to fifteen, you you know you spend twenty three hours a day in this thing, and it's painful, and you can't really move. Mm, and I was oh a dear. ballerina. I started doing ballet when I was seven, and I loved dancing, so it was very hard for me. Then, when I was fifteen, um, my doctor decided it's not helping, which is horrible. Going through something like that, and then be like, "Oops, that did nothing." Oh dear. And I had to have a back surgery which mm-hmm. is a very, very, very complicated back surgery because they basically physically stretched the spine, like in medieval torturing chambers, they literally like put weight, lay you down on the bed and tie you on the bed and then put weights on your head. They hang, so they literally, for two weeks, they stretched the spine physically. Mm-hmm. And then um, the surgery is difficult because once again on the operating table they stretch it again and then they fix it with this long metal rod but they have to wake you up while you're still 
basically open on the operating table to see if you can consciously move your limbs if your nervous system is still functioning properly. Mm. It was it was a horror. It was really a horror. And they, I had after the the surgery with the recovery was so painful, and I was wearing a um cast like a full body mm-hmm. full torso cast for six months after that and another back, back brace for six months after that and as this was going on just when my surgery was going on the berlin wall fell you know mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. made a huge influence of course on our country and the all these nations and republics started becoming very nationalistic and started finding their nationalist identity. And we had the first democratic elections in Yugoslavia at that time. And everybody chose was quite nationalistic and parties that were striving towards freedom and moving away from Yugoslavia. So a year after my surgery, I recovered and I managed to get back on the stage. I was so happy. My teacher, my dance teacher, was so wonderful and supportive during these times. She took me back in. She was talking to my doctor. She knew exactly what, how to gently put me back to to my dance practice. So Mm -hmm. two years later, I was on stage again, dancing, and it it was the happiest, happiest time. You know, after so many years of struggling with my back, back braces and everything. Oh my goodness, that was a heavy moment. Like those were, that's part, like the majority of your teenage years were we spent just struggling with your back and keep, you know, staying away from what you were passionate about, which is dancing. And now I can imagine the joy when you were finally able to get back to it. And and my mommy (laughs) bought me flowers in the opening night. I was the only girl on the stage who got flowers when this girl walked towards me with this (laughs) big bouquet of flowers. I was like, oh my God. I was so happy. I love the theater so much. We had a beautiful show about an ocean. We were doing this beautiful modern dance piece about fishes and ocean. And it was... I, I loved I loved being on the stage. It was such a big celebration of exactly ending that struggle that lasted for so long. But yeah. unfortunately, that didn't last long <laughs> because <laughs> one Sunday, beautiful Sunday evening, it was September, a warm sunny Sunday, not evening, afternoon, my mom was taking a nap, the dog was sleeping, I was doing my homework, and we had the first air raid in... Zagreb because I was praying jumped over the elections in Yugoslavia and then you know everybody was mixed together uh, and trying to figure out their their the new countries and new nations and the Serbs in Croatia started attacking Croatians in Croatia and they started a war in Croatia and it started in other parts of Croatia from us but started immediately quite brutally, and we were following for months. Um, mm. You know, the sieges in Dubrovnik and Shibenik and all these cities, and bombardments, and people dying on streets, and the horrors of war in our little country. Croatia has four million inhabitants, but it was not in our capital, and we somehow still hope that it will not happen there. And then one Sunday afternoon, 
I think a year or six months after I, I went back on stage, uh, we had the first air raid. And it, it's horrific. I really never would want anybody to have to go through that. I was, yeah. it, it's such a horrible experience. When, you know, when the first bombing happened in Iraq and I watched it, I just felt so badly for children who had to run in the, in their basements. I remember sitting in front of my TV screen at CNN a few years later and just weeping and crying for them because only once you've experienced that can you imagine what it is. Once you've your house starts shaking because of this first sirens and then the the bombing jets that fly very low over you and, and you know, want to destroy you. It was horrible. We went in the basement with all our neighbors and we spent the whole afternoon and evening there. And after those experiences, I, my mom and I decided we're going to go visit my dad in Vienna. And we packed our bags for a few days. We really thought this was going to last for a few days. Mm-hmm. So we went. We took, it was funny, we took, literally took the midnight train. In, it was a complete blackout. The whole city was in a blackout still. There were only soldiers on the streets. We took the train to, to Austria. And it didn't stop. The war went on for another four years. I started school in Vienna and stayed in Vienna for 20 years. Wow. It's so profound how you describe the events of that afternoon and what the effects of war can do to a country and to a people. And thinking of all the innocent women and children, that's just so, so profound. It's so horrible. It's horrible. Mm. And it's really one of the experiences. I, I wrote a lot about it and I wrote articles about it. Until you've experienced it, you have no idea. Because, you know, it's easy for people in different countries, like Americans, to support bombing, I don't know, Afghanistan, Iraq, something, when you mm-hmm. watch it on your TV screens and you've never experienced it. Nobody thinks of how many millions of children sit in those basements and shiver over their lives. You know, it's war is one of these things that you just can't, um, unless you've experienced it, you, you can't yeah. imagine. Oh dear. So you moved to Vienna, you continue schooling over there. Do you get into the corporate life or how do you transition? Yes, I, mm-hmm. I went, um, I finished my high school there. And as I mentioned, my mom is a movie actress, but she also, uh, parallel to being in movies, she finished the Academy of Arts and she became a very, very respect, respected uh, visual artist. And my dad is an architect, and it was always taken for granted I will also be a creative person. And I wanted to create something else for myself, you know. And 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 maybe at that age, when you're 18, maybe it was partially re- rebelling against your parents. <laughs> I decided, and I, my mom told me years, my mom never stopped telling me how I told her back then, I don't want to be a starving artist like you. So so I decided to study marketing management and then I got my first job at the United Nations and that with which I paid for my MBA mm-hmm. and then started my corporate career for almost 12 years I worked in um in the largest mobile phone network in the whole region 
which at that time, end of 90s, was such a new thing. You know, it was very exciting to create all these new new things with mobile networks and mobile phones and all the services. Yeah. Um, but after seven or eight years there, I felt like that was not making me happy and I felt very depleted and tired and just empty. And I read somewhere about burnout and I contacted the person who wrote this article and I said, you know, this is how I feel. What do you think? And he said, I think you're starting to to experience burnout and you should either get into therapy or change things in your life. And then I thought maybe I should follow something more creative. So I switched jobs and moved to an advertising agency. Mm-hmm which funnily enough turned to be less creative and less fun than working <laughs> at a mobile phone network. And during this time is when I started writing, which happened by a complete accident. I lived in a very fun big apartment building full of young people. And we all became friends. We're like family. We're still friends and family. And we were talking about all the fun stories we experienced together and somebody said we should write these down so I took a pen and started writing these stories down and then as I was writing them I thought they would be very fun Christmas presents for my neighbors to write to create little booklets with our stories and our photos so I made this little tiny little booklets and everybody loved them so much and I enjoyed writing so much that I just wouldn't stop I out of our stories, I started creating my stories, and that turned into a 500-page manuscript, for which I thought I just had to do it for the fun of it and put it in my drawer. And then two years into advertising, I experienced a very serious case of burnout. And I think the reason for that was that writing, I, I learned that you can... There are things you can do in your life that really fulfill you and make you so happy and so fulfilled and so blissful Mm -hmm. that now sitting in this job that didn't interest me really day in, day out for 10 hours a day would just, just felt so draining. And I just burned out one Monday morning. I was driving to work. I started crying and I wouldn't stop for three days. I was the only thing I could say was I just can't anymore. And then my my doctor, I went to see my doctor so he can put me on a sick leave and he claimed I was depressed and wanted me to take antidepressants, which I rejected. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what antidepressants were, but I was claiming I'm not depressed, I'm tired. Like, I really didn't feel depressed. I just felt so exhausted and it felt wrong to start taking some medication I've never heard about. You know, it was... And then he sent me to a psychiatrist, and she also wanted to give me antidepressants. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, I read a bit about them. But what I didn't understand is I felt like you're just healing the symptoms and not the cause. I said, look, but what happens then? I'll take the pills now that will make me feel happy and go back to the same work and same life that caused all of this so how did we heal it you know like how we didn't solve anything how will I stop taking this medication and be happy again and when she had no answer to that 
I just, I didn't. I rejected. I remember her stamping <laughs> on my pen papers. There was a stamp that said rejected navigation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I slept for like three weeks, a whole day, day in, day out. And, and I just decided that something's not right. You know, I decided this is not working for me. And I had the luxury back then of being young, A, having parents, B, and C, living in Austria, which is an amazing social system where you can be on a sick leave and you can be on an unemployment benefit. And, you know, you simply have this safety net to make changes in your life. And I decided to follow writing. And I sent with support, moral support of my friends who were like, what happened to the book? You should send this book to the publishers. I decided to try that and I printed a list of the best publishers in the country and having read all these books about how to get published and everything, I was ready to start to get many rejections. You know, I was just totally fine with that. So I decided I'm going to send it first to the biggest publisher and then I'll go down the list and maybe somebody towards the end of the list <laughs> will accept my book. Mm-hmm. And the first publisher called me a few days later and were like, we love this. We want to publish your book. Wow. That's amazing. That amazing. That yeah. amazing. And then, you know, and the same thing happened with the other publishers. And the same thing happened with starting to work as a journalist. I wrote this text that were not even essays or stories and I sent them to an Austrian newspaper and I said maybe we could you know I'd love to come and talk to you about the possibility to to write for you maybe one day and the editor wrote back and she's like I want to put print this in our next in our next issue and I was like wow (laughs) getting articles printed and and things started happening like this and it was just it was magical and it was a proof that when you follow who you really are, when you tap into that, who you really are and what makes you happy and fulfilled and blessed, the universe really paves the way for you. Because it was such a hard decision. You know, I, I, I moved from Croatia to Austria and learned the language. I, I got educated. I pushed my way through all these jobs and I had this amazing job, corporate job that was well paid that I traveled with. And to say no to that took a lot of courage, you know, because I had my apartment and I had my bills. I got used to earning my money and everything and to resign and be like, this is not working for me. It's making me sick. Something is off in this whole constellation. Hmm. Took a lot of courage. My father, who is a more rational person, was like, are you crazy? And <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, my mom was like, no, 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 you just resign. You'll figure it out. So to find the courage to do that and then for the universe to just start opening the doors for you along yeah. the way, was, was, it was just amazing. Amazing. Wow, I- that's really amazing and uh, just listening to you and uh, you know you could be speaking to somebody out there who is going through the same situation right now stuck in a career where they are truly truly unhappy and tired and exhausted there is hope that when you truly follow what is in your heart and what's your purpose in life then doors will definitely start opening and the universe will really speak to you really absolutely 
but you know what what's important for me because I have other friends who were very unhappy and burned out and they were not lucky like I am that writing found me you know this my life's purpose really found me which I I I I'm very aware how lucky that is because many people are like this what I'm doing right now doesn't make me happy but I don't know what would mm. but what what I've learned is that the first step it's it's important to recognize this doesn't make me happy and doesn't this doesn't work for me and then you know even that is important to recognize that and to be ready for a change to to be like okay this doesn't work for me it is an awesome job and it's highly paid and it's you know everything else but it doesn't it makes me sick makes me unhappy makes me into a person i don't want to be and mm-hmm. i think even starting from there with that awareness and then gently trying to figure out being open to finding something and courageous finding to find something that that is your purpose i think that's important wow i i love that all right now talk to us about uh you're in vienna you're now a published uh, author you're writing all these articles and they're getting published how then do you you start your phd (laughs) we were talking about this yes (laughs) you know and it, it just doesn't end this magic magic doesn't end because then the financial crisis happens in 2007 and everybody talks about how capitalism is dead and communism died a long time ago and we do not have an alternative and I thought it's interesting I grew up in uh, in something that was an alternative to this both systems so I wrote this essay about my childhood in Yugoslavia and how Yugoslavia was trying to find an alternative for these two systems and send it to Austrian's biggest newspaper, and they published it, and it became such a hit. You, they, people started commenting on, on, on forums and sending letters, and it became a big, big, big thing, to the extent where my publisher was like, please, please write a book, turn this into a book, you know, to have <laughs> your publisher ask you for a book. And then I decided to apply for literature grants, to pay my bills and it was the deadline for the biggest grant in Austria a very prestigious uh, national grant for literature and I wrote my application and took it to my publisher to look at it and he started laughing he was he just burst out <laughs> laughing and he said I'm so sorry I'm laughing about this but it's so unconventional you know it's like <laughs> this is so different from what people normally do yeah. And, but just send it in and see and he said but please be aware this is the biggest literature grant in Austria and normally you already have to be an established author and you have to have received smaller grants and awards to win this so you know don't put don't put your hopes high and I send it in and a few months later exactly on my birthday I received in my mail, I received an envelope, which I opened, and it was the Ministry of Culture telling me they want to pay me a year of living costs, basically, to write this book. Wow. Which was so amazing. So amazing. And at that time, for years, I I continued doing ballet, but just, you know, just on the evenings and just for retired ballerinas and if I couldn't go into class I was doing a a workout 
ballet-based workout by New York City Ballet. I had a DVD, and I would do this sometimes in the evenings. And one evening, my mom was in Vienna with me, and we were do- doing this workout together. I loved exercising with my mom. <laughs> and she said, Anna, you love this so much. Why don't you get certified so you can start teaching this? And I thought, I thought, I thought well, you're crazy, mom. What do you, how, how, <laughs> where? And she said, go online, see if they certified people if you can become a teacher for this and I went online and they this is what they were doing there was a summer school in New York where you could get certified to start teaching this ballet based workout and I applied and I they took me so with this new grant for my new book in the summer I flew to New York City to fulfill another live stream which is to get certified as a ballet teacher and and be able to start teaching ballet and and to spend these few weeks in New York City Ballet and get trained there. It was just amazing. And this is where I met my husband, basically. (laughs) Wow, I did know that bit, Arna. (laughs) That's amazing. How things just fall into place and you get to even meet. Oh, amazing. Things fall into place. And, And so... I moved to LA with him. He lived in LA at that stage. And we, yeah, we got married. We're happy. We have a beautiful baby <laughs> who's not yes. a baby anymore. He's a big man. He's five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, my life is what my life is. And two months after, after we got married, my husband got diagnosed with cancer and had to go into surgery quickly. And then literally a day after he came back home from surgery, my mom called me and she said, I got tested for test uh, in, intestine cancer and it came back positive. And I was like, oh, good. Positive means it's good. And she's like, no, positive. I have cancer. Oh, my goodness. So I took care of my husband and the moment he was able to get on his feet, I flew to, to Vienna and, and helped my mom through this and that got better and she got rid of everything and she, she was officially healthy again. And a year later, I gave birth to my son and when Kai, my son, was six months old, my husband's cancer came back. And he had to go into a very, very harsh chemo. He was he was in a chemo for three months that was so bad that there were at least one evening a week I would have to take him to an emergency room because we thought he was dying. He was it was a very, very strong chemo. As I learned then, there's chemo and there's chemo. There's chemotherapy where it's not too bad. People feel like they have a little stronger flu or something but then there's this kind of chemo where they just bombard the body basically and he went through that and it was a horrendous struggle having a six-month-old baby in a different country you know where you don't have your network and your family and your friends thankfully my mom came and helped me with Kai so that I could help me through these times and um we did it. We, we we saw that through. That was summer 2015. And then summer 2016, we all went to Croatia 
to celebrate that life is normal and everybody's alive and we are good. My, my husband took some t- longer time off so we can see my parents and they can spend time with their grandson and we can. And this is when my mom got diagnosed with lung cancer and uh, it was already stage four and we knew it's bad, but by bad we thought a few months she passed away eight weeks later. It was it was like a nuclear bomb that fell on us and on me. It was very, very rough. That's really devastating. Yeah. I know that it's, yeah, you you went through a couple of years that were really rough and just when you were getting a break, this yes. very devastating um thing happens to to your life. And talking to you this the couple of times I've talked to you, you always speak of and refer to things that your mom taught you. After you lost her, what inspired you to begin documenting her lessons? One afternoon I got this panic that I'm going to forget things she taught me, that she told me and taught me and all these lessons that I learned from her and how she taught me also by example. So I sat down and started writing down these lessons and it was pages and pages of things that I learned from her. And then I I had a little health scare last spring and I thought, oof, if something happened to me now, what would be one thing that I would be sad I didn't do? And this was that book. I thought I would like to write a book about the lessons I learned from my mom in which I also which is kind of her biography through the lessons because she was such an amazing woman and I think so inspiring for so many other women young women that I started writing this book and then talking to my friends about the book it was very interesting how simple the and obvious this topic is but we never think about it it's like what did your mom teach you, really? You know, women women immediately started thinking about what their moms taught them and what they learned from their moms and seeing how interesting that is for women but how they never think about that, I decided to, to start the podcast in which I interview women. And for me, it was very interesting to have women from all over the world, from different cultures, but also different backgrounds to have, you know, very successful women and CEOs, but also just average women or stay-at-home moms and of different generations and where we learn learn from women, learn from others. Yeah, and you're doing an amazing job documenting those lessons and I can't wait to read your book when it's out uh, of those <laughs> lessons. <you>. <laughs> So, Anna, you've had such low lows and, and, you know, high highs as well. So yes. my question to you is, how do you manage to remain positive through it all to a place where you are not only just living, but you're thriving and actually living your purpose? How do you do it? But you see, I think this is something I learned from my mom. My mom also went through crazy things in her life. She lost her both parents when she was little. And... She, in the high of her career, she had an accident and broke her spine and people were worried, doctors were worried she won't even be able to walk anymore. I was only a year old and she went through that war with me. But what I learned from my mom is that that passion from life for life, she just loved life so much and she loved being alive and she, she loved just... 
I don't know, listening to the birds sing. She, since I was little, we would walk, and she'd be like, oh, my God, do you see the beautiful sunshine? Can you hear the birds? Isn't this amazing? Do you see the ocean? You know, she was just appreciating our existence on this earth, no matter how hard it sometimes is. But she never took life and existence and nature and, yeah, just being for granted. She really had a passion for it. And I think this is what really, really influenced me. But also, when I started my corporate job, I started, I stumbled across Tai Chi. I went to the, into first class not knowing what it is. I fell in love with Tai Chi from the first moment on. And I never stopped practicing. And Tai Chi, of course, it's meditation from through movement, you know. So I learned how to meditate and it took me on a more spiritual path and through that I think I that only cemented what my mom taught me was to be grateful just for the presence just for having this one life you know yeah to know how to 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 tap into I don't know how to call it you want to call it God or universe or the joy of existence, just this magic of we are here, you know, and mm. that's already amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning, especially, you know, dealing with my mom's sickness and losing her. It was make it or break it for me. If I didn't have Kai, I don't know how, because we were so close and she was my best friend and my biggest coach, my biggest supporter, my source of courage and you know daring to do big things and trusting into myself and losing her was a horrible blast for me if I didn't Kai I don't know how I would have taken it but but having had a two two year old next to me and having had my mom as my mom who would never show weakness I was just like crying in the bathroom I didn't want him to see how broken I am and I just stayed strong for him I think that helped to deal with that as well and learn that we're strong we can do this and even with tragedies like that and losing the ones you love life is still life is still fantastic (laughs) yeah life is still beautiful you can still jump (laughs) jump into the ocean and feel the cold water on your body and look into pink sunsets and listen to Mm. birds sing and how good is that and then if you're lucky like me you create something like thank you mama (laughs) which makes you so happy and and other people happy and it's it's great that's so profound, Anna. So just my final question to you today is, do you think you're living your purpose? Do you feel it? Do you feel filled in your heart? Are you happy? Are you truly joyful? I am. I am, especially now with this new project. You know, I had a, a, a few years while Kai was little and Nick was ill and this whole battles where I did not work as much as I would like to be working. I was working mostly as as a journalist, which is also fantastic. I'm, I love writing so much that even just writing anything makes me happy. But going back to my book and now this thing with my podcast, for me, this feeling of creating something with either my words or now with my podcast that in a way expresses how I feel and who I am and what I think is important in life 
and then putting it out there in the world and having people react to it, entering into conversation with people, you know, for this thing to touch people so much that they enter into a conversation, into a dialogue with me, that just makes me so happy, I can't tell you. That's 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 beautiful. I, I, I really, really feel blessed. And having my son and my husband and my dad still and my friends, I, as long as I can write things that people find interesting, I am happy. <laughs> you have such an incredible, encouraging, a story of hope, a story of, you know, perseverance and coming out victorious when faced with very tough circumstances and seeing life for what it is and being grateful for being alive and enjoying the little things that life offers, even after, you know, having been through really tough times. And that is beautiful and you're beautiful. And I really wish you the very, very best in your projects. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on to my show. Thank you for these beautiful, beautiful words. And thank you for having me. It was a big, big joy for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arna.